You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. She's got the news. She talks with newsmakers. She encourages us to laugh, and she cries with us. Speaking truth to power and questioning authority daily, it's the Nicole Sandler Show. Ah, it's like a broken record. But it goes something like this. Maybe it's the movies. Maybe it's the books. Maybe it's the bullets. Maybe it's the real crooks. Maybe it's the drugs. Maybe it's the parents. Maybe it's the colors everybody's wearing. Maybe it's the president. Maybe it's the last one. Maybe it's the one before that, what he done. Maybe it's the high schools. Maybe it's the teachers. Maybe it's the tattooed children in the bleachers. Maybe it's the Bible. Maybe it's the lack. Maybe it's the music. Maybe it's the crack. Maybe it's the hairdos, maybe it's the TV, maybe it's the cigarettes, maybe it's the family, maybe it's the fast food, maybe it's the news, maybe it's divorce, maybe it's abuse, maybe it's the lawyers, maybe it's the prisons, maybe it's the senators, maybe it's the system, maybe it's the fathers, maybe it's the sons, maybe it's the sisters, maybe it's the moms, maybe it's the radio, maybe it's road rage, maybe El Nino or UV rays. Maybe it's the army. Maybe it's the liquor. Maybe it's the papers. Maybe the militia. Maybe it's the athletes. Maybe it's the ads. Maybe it's the sports fans. Maybe it's a fad. Maybe it's the magazines. Maybe it's the internet. Maybe it's the lottery. Maybe it's the immigrants. Maybe it's tax. It's big business. Maybe it's the KKK and the skinheads. Maybe it's the communists. Maybe it's the Catholics. Maybe it's the hippies. Maybe it's the addicts. Maybe it's the art. Maybe it's the sex. Maybe it's the homeless. Maybe it's the banks. Maybe it's the clear cut. Maybe it's the ozone. Maybe it's the chemicals. Maybe it's the car phones. Maybe it's the fertilizer. Maybe it's the nose rings. Maybe it's the end. But I know one thing. If it were up to me, I'd take away the guns. I'd take away the guns. That's the lyrics of a song that I've played so many times over the years. Because for a while there, I pulled it every time there was a mass shooting. Well, not every time there was a mass shooting, because we don't hear about it every time there's a mass shooting. We only hear about it when a ridiculously large amount of people are killed. And I'm using ridiculous in the 
horrific uh, framework. So it's now 11 people were killed by this shooter Saturday night. It was the Chinese New Year. You know, I started the the weekend. um, (laughs) Last week on Friday, what's news? It had all these things that were happening over the weekend. And the one thing I omitted, and I realized midway through the day on Friday, was the Lunar New Year, the Chinese New Year, which began its 15-day celebration um, yesterday, the 22nd, um, as as they transition from the year of the tiger <clears throat> to the year of the rabbit, which is supposed to be, uh, the year of the rabbit is supposed to stand for like peace and prosperity. Well, there's anything but peace in Monterey Park, California, or anywhere else in this country for that matter. It's just, you know, it's just unconscionable that this should happen. It's just just horrific. And that was the shooting that left now 11 people dead. Was the 33rd mass shooting of a year that at this point is only 23 days old. More mass shootings than there are days in this year so far. Are you kidding me? And, you know, lest you get too comfortable, um, there was, you know, and, and to keep up with these statistics, there was another shooting today. Two students dead and at least one teacher injured in a shooting at a Des Moines school. It was near downtown Des Moines. Two people are in custody. Kids have to have active shooter drills. They, in Florida, they can't learn about, you know, that Joey might have two mommies or Susie has two daddies, but they can sure have an active shooter drill monthly. Nothing makes sense. This is, there, there's no explanation. So I, I, like you, I'm sure, the minute I heard the news, Shooting at a Lunar New Year celebration in the very Asian community of Monterey Park. I thought, oh, shit, here we go again. This is, you know, there's been so much violent crime against Asians and Asian Americans. Uh, Once again, thanks to Donald Trump and the idiots who blame COVID on the Chinese. It's just it's inconceivable that people can be so fucked up. Inconceivable, but they are. So our minds automatically went there, but now we don't know that that's the case at all because it turns out the shooter, the murderer, was a 72-year-old Asian man who reportedly taught ballroom dancing at the place that he shot to bits. And where he killed 11 people. I'm going to refrain from speculation because it's one of my biggest. It's not a pet peeve. It's a thing that drives me nuts when commentators, when they don't know any better, they don't have anything to say at all. will just make shit up, you know, 
may as well be on Fox. So I don't know. I did hear one report that perhaps he was looking for his ex-wife. And this was not like a yesterday they got divorced or anything. This was an ex-wife of a long time ago. And a lot of these shootings come out of domestic violence situations. Just saying it could be that. We don't know yet. Thankfully, this 72-year-old dreg of society, and no, I, I said his name once. I said it in the news report. In what's news? I will not repeat his name again. But this 72-year-old piece of human excrement who should have just turned the gun on himself in the first place instead of taking out 11 other people and injuring countless others because it's not only the people who were physically injured who are hurt in this mess. It's not only those who are physically injured, anybody who was there, their lives were changed immediately and immeasurably. It's the family members of both the people who were there and those who were killed. And it's everybody in, you know, in civilized society who just doesn't understand how human beings can do this. Again, you know, years ago, I, I, I wrote a piece. It's on Medium. It's on my website. I rewrote it. I shared it over and over again over the years, asking foreign governments to please warn their people that when they're going on vacation, they have a whole world of places to go, that this, the United States of America, is not a safe place to come. And the reason I do this, not because I don't want tourists coming here, but because the only thing that gets our Congress to act on anything is if you hit them in the pocketbook. And if all of a sudden tourists from other nations stopped coming here and spending their tourist dollars in the United States, and they were very loud about it and said, the reason they're not coming here is because it isn't safe. Because anytime you walk out a door in the United States of America, any town USA, you're taking your life in your hands, especially at a big celebration especially when a a specific group is celebrating. In this case, and I don't know if it had anything to do with the fact that it was a lunar Chinese New Year. It's the first thing that came into my mind. But, you know, pride celebrations, um, houses of worship, uh, you know, any place, uh, you know, a, a, a march, for 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 women's reproductive rights i'm afraid any time you step out of your house in to stand up for something some nut job and by nut job i mean wing nut job is going to come at you with a gun i don't recognize this place anymore i really don't i don't So I don't know about you, I could use something uh, to lighten the mood a little bit uh, because we're not going to solve this problem. We've tried. How many years have we been doing that? How many years have I been playing that Cheryl Wheeler song? 
if it were up to me. And I'll tell you exactly. I played it on the radio in Los Angeles back in 1997, I think. It was after another mass shooting. And Cheryl Wheeler had just recorded this song. And thankfully, I worked at a radio station where I was allowed to play music like that. Um, and they, 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 they donated so much money to a gun control group every time for every spin that the song got on uh, radio stations. If you Google it, it'll come up. We were among the stations that played that song. And since then, at uh, almost every time that I've been on the air, there's been a mass shooting, I've played that song. Now I think it's, it's more impactful to read the lyrics. Although, after you hear it so many times, it, we become numb to it, don't we? We need, to, we need to take away the numbness. You need to feel how you felt the, 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 the first time when you heard I, I, I mean, that 33 kids, students, were killed at, at um, uh, uh, what was it, Virginia Tech. I remember that. I remember walking out of the studio. Then I was at WINZ here in Miami, and I heard there was a mass shooting at Virginia Tech. And I'm thinking, all right, so, you know, we're, we're numb to it. It's what, another, you know, four, four people dead makes a mass shooting. Well, in that case, it was 33. I remember the moment I saw the Chiron on the TV and it said 33 dead. 33 dead? 11 dead. 20 dead. You got to remember, they're not just numbers. These are people. These are human beings whose lives had been taken um, simply, you know, <laughs> because somebody with a gun thought that something in the Constitution gave them the power and the right to do that. Nothing gives anybody the right to do that. Just saying. All right. Well, one thing made me smile today, and that's when I opened up the uh, the YouTube and saw there was a new song from Randy Rainbow. So I don't know about you, but I could use a little uh, levity at this moment. And the person he's poking some fun at is Kevin McCarthy. Take it away, Randy Rainbow. Not since Gwyneth Paltrow's 2002 Academy Awards dress has a decision-making process so grueling produced a result as god-awful as my next guest, barely elected Speaker of the House, Kevin McFuckhead. Kevin, how's it going? Well, I feel the first week has been very productive. First, we've got a very good rules package that empowers okay, all Okay, let's members. cut the shit. You've been handing out important committee assignments to election deniers, QAnon conspiracy theorists, pathological liars, and third-rate drag queens. Tell us, how else do you plan to drag this country down to the fiery pits of hell? We should start every day. How can we be more efficient? How can we deliver a more effective to the American public? And how can we do it in a more secure way that we don't spend as much? Please wrap it up. Why would we sit back and be so arrogant to say, no, there's no waste in government? Speaking of no waste, Donald Trump continues to influence much of your party. What is your response to those who say you're nothing more than a boot-licking, hypocritical, orange-nosed little puppet? Well, first, let's just take a pause. <laughs> let's sit down together. Let's look at the places that we can change our behavior. Oh, yeah. 
commission. Sit yourself down and watch the wackest shit show in town. What an ordeal! Some GOP, more like the Real Housewives of DC. Thought his goose was cooked. A speaker has not been elected. Thought his dreams were tossed. This slimy, climy man boy who damn near lost. Let's just take a pause. I don't believe that's the case because Speaker of the House, cunning little chap, cover is conservative, even full of crap. Thirsty as a fish, quick to compromise. Only took the motherfucker fifteen tries. No one at the office likes him, and he's never dressed too nice. His suits come off the rack at Marshalls, and his gavel's Fisher Price. Speaker of the house, doling out the bribes. Awesome, but she's giving Susan Lucci vibes. Pissing off the left, paying off the right, pushing an agenda of revenge and spite. Never will he lead the circus. Poor old power hungry whore. Think they hated Nancy? Can't see why they wouldn't hate you more. I will never give up. Chaos in the house, imbecilic scum. Bobert doesn't even know what stage she's from. Marjorie's a mess, not a ticking bomb. Santa says he's Ariana Grande's mom. Everybody's lost their marbles. Everybody's having fun by the nuts. By the nuts. Never was a weaker, says he's sad a seeker, speaker like this sorry little pot. How long did he take to win it? Fifteen times. Lowering the bar and creeping up the ranks. Winning margins tighter than a pair of spanks. What a fine humiliation. What a wretched little louse. What a louse. And everybody left a cheek. Girl, I give you one more week. Everybody left a cheek to the speaker of the house. I will never give up. Shut up. Oh, boy. Randy Rainbow did it again. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, very it, much needed because it made me laugh. Uh, th- th- just I'm going to need to watch that one again. You know, this is what I do. When I see there's a Randy Rainbow video, I just pull it. I don't even watch it because I like to experience it with you for the first time. That was pretty stellar. <laughs> that was that was really good. Um and thankfully, that was funny because it was supposed to be funny. Randy Rainbow is uh, pretty brilliant. Um, there's something else that I saw today that was funny, but unintentionally so. And it's really not funny when you think about it. I have to pretend it's funny. You know, I have to look at the, uh, it's like gallows humor. You know, we, it's things we laugh at that we shouldn't. Um, And in this case, I'm talking about the, you know, the idiot governor of the state of Florida. Every day, there's something new with this guy. And I think it was on Friday that I told you about his latest. um, He there there was. okay. you know who Henry Louis Gates is, right? He's one. He's 
a brilliant man. First of all, on PBS, he hosts the TV show Finding Your Roots, where they take two or three people each uh, on each show, and they go back through their ancestry and they find out where from whence they came. Uh, it's pretty brilliant. I, I I live vicariously through it because I would love to do that. I don't know much about my family history. Um, but Henry Louis Gates is also the guy who, um, do you remember when, when Obama had the beer summit because there was a Harvard professor who the police almost arrested because what was a black man doing at a home, I think, in Brookline, Massachusetts? That was Henry Louis Gates. The police arrested him for being black. Or they, they, they came upon him going into his house. That's Henry Louis Gates. He, this is his field of study, right? Um, uh, the, the story of the African American. And Henry Louis Gates has been one of the people behind a curriculum for a high school advanced placement African American studies program. Well, uh, Ron DeSantis, and this, this program is in place in many states around the country, in many school districts. Ron DeSantis shut it down. He won't even let it go through the motions to see if this program will uh, have a place in Florida schools. Because Ron DeSantis is a tyrant. He said that he's blocking this AP African American Studies program because it it served no educational purpose and today he held a press conference and um listen to him dance here and r- keep in mind his voice this is a guy who wants to be president but he speaks like this he's kind of a wimpy guy and he talks through his nose Governor, on the AP African American Studies course that was rejected by the state, been a lot of criticism of that move. Uh, people saying, you know, this is exactly what we were fearing with the Individual Freedom Bill. I don't know if you or the commissioner could this maybe a reporter, expand a little bit way. more about sure, what was I mean, in that I think course. so. Um, and as you know, as you uh, in the know. state of Florida, our education standards not only don't prevent, but they require teaching black history, all the important things that's part of our core curriculum. What? This was a separate course on top of that for advanced placement credit. Yeah. And the issue is we have guidelines and standards in Florida. Uh, we want education, not indoctrination. If oh, you fall please. on the side of indoctrination, oh, we're going to decline. If it's education, then we will do this course. So when I heard it, we didn't meet the standards. I figured, yeah, they may be doing security. It's way more than that. This course on black history, what oh, are one of, what's God. one of the lessons about? Queer theory. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. Oh, and my so God. when you look to see they have stuff about intersectionality, abolishing prisons, that's a political agenda. And so we're on, that's the wrong side of the line for Florida standards. We believe in teaching kids uh, facts and how to think. But we don't believe they should have an agenda imposed no, on them. You don't you believe they should learn to this stuff. In queer theory, uh, you are clearly trying to use that uh, for political purposes. Everything about that man I find objectionable. Who the hell is he to say what our kids should or shouldn't learn? Who died and made him the arbiter 
of our education system. Not only that, our medical care. You would think Ron DeSantis is has a master's in education. Oh, and he's a medical doctor, too, because he tells you that if you get vaccinated, you're more prone to get COVID-19? Bullshit. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. When he talks indoctrination, that's exactly what he's doing. So I told you about this last week, that there is a, in, in the Florida State University system, there is a school. It's called the New College. It's in Sarasota, which is uh, in the Tampa Bay area, like at the south end of the Tampa Bay area, like Sarasota area. When I went to school at the University of South Florida, the new college had just formed, and it was actually a satellite of USF. I never went there, but I heard it was, it was a cool place. Well, in the ensuing 40 years <clears throat> since, I've, <laughs> since I went there, the new college has split. It split from USF, and it became a... a you know, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a sanctuary of sorts. It's the student body is small. There's like seven to 800 students there, but it's overwhelmingly populated with LGBTQ youth, trans kids, um, gender non-binary kids, um, kids who are unique and, and find their own way, but a big, big um, population of of, of kids who don't fit in in a regular big university system. And what did DeSantis do? He brought in some right-wing Christian <clears throat> um, uh, people and put them on the board. And the goal is to turn this very liberal, liberal arts college in Florida into a Hillsdale college. Hillsdale is a, a very... Um, a religious, a Christian college in Michigan. It's the opposite of what the new college is. And that's the model they want to base the school on. Well, I was seething over that story. And I come across an article in the New Yorker. And it's open to everybody. Um, Google it. And I'll, I'll link to it on today's blog. But they say it's only going to be available for a short time. And the article is titled, The Education of X Gonzalez. X Gonzalez, I'm thinking, X Gonzalez. Now, here, I'm going to show you the picture, the photograph. That's this, I, 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 I kept a copy of the article. So this is not actually from uh, the article itself. But this photograph that I'm going to put up on the screen is um, X Gonzalez. When we met them, X was known as Emma. And I'm going to share with you just a little bit of this, um, of this article because it, it, it explains everything that's wrong with not only what's happening with these shootings, but with, um, you know, people like Ron DeSantis who are putting their beliefs on everyone else. So, um, so let me let me read to you a little bit of the story. I can't read the whole thing because it's um, quite long. But again, I will post a link to it 
on my blog where I post today's show. It'll be at NicoleSandler.com slash 1-23-23 because, you know, that's today's date. All right. So the article says, I will not tell you my triggers or the things I can no longer enjoy because they are fluid and changing. Sometimes I look up at a sky with no clouds and all I can think of is how that was what the sky looked like on the day of the shooting. But sometimes I just think, I wish there were clouds because it's so, 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 so hot. The strangest part of being a survivor was how badly strangers wanted to touch me, like I was a living relic. They'd shake my hand or hug me or lean on me to cry. They also wanted to tell me about the tragedies that touched them. So many voices saying how their loved ones had been gruesomely shot and killed. I'm an empathetic person, and I had no idea how to guard myself, how to turn away and toward myself. So I listened, and I hugged these strangers back. Only months earlier, none of these people knew who I was. I was just a high school kid in Parkland. Before the shooting, February 14th, 2018, perpetrated by a 19-year-old white supremacist at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, my plan was to get the fuck out of Florida. The farther, the better. Now I write this from my pink childhood bedroom, having moved back home after graduating from college last year. I spend my days trying to get my future on the rails, finding new music, making zines, sewing, smoking weed, cooking, cleaning, figuring out what I want to do for work. I'm trying to be a good roommate to my parents. We watch movies together every night, making up for lost time. It's been almost five years since my classmates and I marched for the first time, and it's hard not to feel like things are pretty much the same. Gun violence happens every day in this country. In November, the trial that was supposed to bring closure to our community brought only disappointment after the shooter was spared the death penalty. I see my March for Our Lives compatriots at protests once or twice throughout the year. I'm still trying to figure out what type of activism I want to engage in since I don't want to be passive for the rest of my life, but I cannot exist in the way that I used to. I don't know how I'm alive after all that. She continues this story. It goes on and on and and how she became an activist because it just happened. She writes, um, uh, after the shooting, school was closed for two weeks. Or they write, sorry, I'm still getting used to the pronouns. We realized we had to do something to stop this from happening again. Three days later, members of the school board organized a gun control rally in Fort Lauderdale. I wrote a speech that morning on the family computer and scribbled some points from my AP government class that I wanted to cite on the back. I had to print it in blue ink because we had run out of black. I had no idea my speech would be broadcast live on CNN. Every single person up here today... All these people at home should be at home grieving, I told the crowd, choking back tears. But instead, we're up here, standing together, because if all our government and president could do is send thoughts and prayers, then it's time for victims to be the change that we need to see. We are going to be the kids you read about in textbooks, not because we're going to be another statistic about mass shooting in America, but because we are going to be the last mass shooting. And then she talks about... In the hours after I gave that speech, my name started trending on Twitter, which I then had to sign up for, because people started making accounts impersonating me. And celebrities started DMing me, offering to fly me out to meet them. None of them offered to fly to Parkland to meet us. I was a senior in high school waiting on college acceptances, and suddenly I was a voice for the fight for gun control. 
they liked that I was a sensitive girl and they liked that I cried. I was proud of the speech that I gave and shocked to see how many people felt the same way I did about guns, considering that politicians had been preaching that it was too divisive a topic to go near. And she goes on and on. I, again, you got to read this article because it's it's heartbreaking and poignant and brilliant all at the same time. But I want to I want to um, move a little bit ahead um, and and talk about um, where she went to college and why she went there. Um, uh, let's see if uh, da, 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 it, again, it's a long article and I'm scrolling way down Um uh, again, this is in the current issue of The New Yorker. If you go to newyorker.com, chances are it's still available uh, for everyone to read. Um, but I do want, because she wound up going to the new college. And I want to I share with you what it meant to them, keep doing it, uh, and, and why what uh, DeSantis is doing is so horrific um okay so uh let's see all right i'm I'm scrolling all the way down like to the bottom but x as they are now known writes when i was a senior at marjorie stoneman douglas i applied to colleges and fantasized about the days i could feel independent i waited and waited only after the march did i hear back from my dream school offering me a scholarship that i'm sure it thought would be enough it wasn't. My dreams of escaping our fucked up town ended up pinned on New College of Florida, a debt-free education three hours away. New College was the perfect school for people who don't want to go to college. There were no grades. A lot of the students there are trans and even more are queer. It was small and quiet, the campus overlooking Sarasota Bay with slash pines and palm trees that sway in the breeze. I didn't know it at the time, but before I even got to campus, someone sent an email telling students not to bother me, to let me have a normal college experience. I still don't know who did that for me, but I'm grateful. For the first time since the day of the shooting, I was forced to slow down and breathe. At first, I fucking hated it. But things started to get better. I lived with Leo, my best friend from high school. I finally found a therapist and got my medical marijuana card. It was easier, too, being out of the spotlight. I got a chance to be a kid again, reading, going to classes, being outside, partying, cooking. I formally stepped away from March for Our Lives in my second year of college after spending my first year trying to do both school and professional activism. I switched my focus from politics to problems in our societies, learning a little bit about everything after spending my late teens laser-focused on just one topic. I took classes about post-colonial theory, modern authoritarianism, black social and political thought, manifestos throughout history, gender theory, comic books. It was a shock to my system to learn from the past, to study how society can function and find solutions outside the bottleneck of Congress. In the queer space of new college, writes X. Gonzalez, changing your pronouns, name, or presentation is a non-event. I knew I wanted to go by a different name, something that would give me space and get me away from the identity thrown on TV screens that make people that made people think they knew me. I settled on X, inspired by Malcolm X, and realized in the process that the reason I didn't like being known as Emma 
is partially because that person belongs to the public, but also partially because it's such a feminine name. I realized then that I'm non-binary. As I felt the pieces of my of myself coming back together, I found that I was interested in doing activism again. There were a couple of protests at school, and over time I felt confident enough to join in, helping to organize and make posters. I started, I started sharing more politically radical ideas at my official social media accounts, things that I'd always felt but never felt like it was the right time or space to say. I'd been thinking more about gun violence perpetrated by police, and my posts about that got a lot of pushback. The same white liberals who were against gun violence in schools thought criticizing police brutality went too far. Eventually, many of those same white liberals would post Black Lives Matter after the murder of George Floyd. Many people online did not like that I started saying these things. And to me, it was shocking that so many who believed I was right about everything else believed I was wrong about this. It showed me more and more that the hope and love they vested in me was actually vested in an idea of me. But I wasn't that person anymore. Maybe I never was. Uh, X goes on. And just so you know, I keep looking over here because um, Jason Leopold is supposed to be joining us. He had to fly to New York uh, overnight and uh, on a story. And so he's obviously running late. Um, so I will keep checking, but I'm going to keep reading um, because this is so important. Emma, I'm sorry, X Gonzalez, as they are now known, we got to know in the aftermath of the Parkland shooting 10 minutes from where I'm sitting. And I didn't know what happened to X until this New Yorker article came out that she wrote. So um, X continued. After graduation, I moved back home. A memorial had sprung up on the berm in front of the high school following the shooting. There were 17 markers, and mourners would come by and leave flowers and notes. Some people would add trinkets. Some of this was organized by survivors. Some of it was organized by the parents and families of the kids who had died. My classmate, Tori Rose Gonzalez, whose boyfriend, Joaquin Oliver, died during the shooting, had the ingenious idea to turn the plot where all of those flowers and markers were into a formal memorial garden. That way, anyone who wanted to could plant and tend to living flowers, and it wouldn't look so much like a grave site. People from all over the country started sending beautiful things for the garden. Pieces of art, wind chimes, glass sculptures, painted stones. And then people in our town would come out, plant things themselves, or take care of the garden. I'd go with my mom, and we'd water the plants and add more. And then the new principal of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and various city officials were like, Hey, can we get rid of some of this? It felt like the school wanted to move on. My classmates and I went from being students who didn't really know each other to throwing a worldwide protest about gun laws in the U.S. to running a 57-day national tour over the summer. All right. Um, I, I see Jason is here. Again, this, what I've been reading to you is from... Uh, an article in the New Yorker. The article is t- written by X Gonzalez, who, when we got to know them, they were a girl known as Emma Gonzalez. Um, and we got to know her, we thought, pretty well. Hearing her first person account 
of that shooting, of the aftermath, and of everything that the new college in Sarasota meant to her and her coming to terms with the shooting, with her identity, to allow her to grow and mature and become a a, a person in her own right and find themselves, um, I, I, you know, is so important. And that Ron DeSantis is trying to refashion that college into a, a, a carbon copy of Hillsdale College is unconscionable. He's a dangerous man and he needs to be um, uh, recognized as such by the rest of the country. All right. I will post that article on the blog with today's show. But now I do want to bring in my friend, Jason Leopold. Hey, Jace, how are you? You're in New York. Hey, what are you doing I'm in, in New, New York? York? I got my New York attire on, my <laughs> work attire on. I see. You're, <laughs> not wearing, you're not wearing a band t-shirt. Oh, my God. I'm not wearing a band t-shirt. Wow. Somewhere, somewhere around here, I've got a black fat flag <laughs> pin to, uh, you know, so I can rebel against my... Uh, corporate overlords of course you well now you're these days you're working for bloomberg which yes. i suppose you know hey you gotta go where uh they will publish the news and pay you to do the work exactly and to do all this great foil work at the same time as you know most definitely now uh, i called you for a few reasons one is of course it's the new year we haven't spoken in a while and i miss you yeah. and i need my jason Mutual. leopold fix on the show every once in a while but I saw an intriguing story that you posted and just the circumstances surrounding this FOIA story spoke to me because you and I are both music lovers. In fact, it's one yes. of the first things we connected on, despite our uh, being entrenched in this world of politics and craziness. We both love music. And this one concerned the singer Morrissey. Morrissey, yes. who was the lead singer of the Smiths, who then went on to have a solo career, very, um, you know, counterculture subversive, if you want to say that. And uh, what so what what's the and story? It's also been like kind of a a lightning rod also, uh, particularly, you know, he, he he still he's, you know, particularly just related to his politics. And um, in addition, he's you know, he's been accused of racism. Um, as well. And, and I, you know, I don't really have any kind of opinions on that. Um, I've read uh, the articles and uh, the various interviews. And um, to me, it's, it, it wasn't any different than when, you know, when he got um, taken to task, I think it was back in the 90s, or maybe even when he was with the, with, in, with the Smiths, when he wore, wore the Union Jack, you know, t-shirt. So that was really controversial but i had read this interview he he i read this interview uh actually excuse me i read this news story and i think it was on the da uh, daily beast and it was real it was just a couple of weeks ago and the story centered around he's got a new album coming out and he he goes through record labels you know on a, regularly so he yeah. had a record coming out on capitol records i have actually no idea if his new record is still coming out on capitol records but um he posted this lengthy statement on his website. It doesn't appear that it's coming out on Capitol Records. And then Miley Cyrus, who was a guest on that record, you know, was, asked for her vocals to be removed. And it all related to, you know, some controversial comments he made, um, his stance on various issues. But within this story, it mentioned that he was interviewed by the Secret Service in 2017 related to incendiary comments he made about Trump uh -huh. in which he more or less said that he'd have to kill Trump 
to protect humanity. Um, and I happen to have built, as you may know, Nicole, this sort of um, side hustle mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, whenever a celebrity or ever, any, anytime somebody says something about uh, or has said something about Trump or any other politician and Secret Service is called in, I'm immediately following a FOIA request. I did that with John Mulaney, you know, the comedian, uh, when he made some comments about Trump on Saturday Night Live. I did that with uh, Eminem uh-huh. uh, when he made, um, uh, had some comments on his album uh, and one of his songs that, you know, they, they felt uh, was uh, threatening to Trump and Ivanka Trump. And so, okay, here's Morrissey. I'm going to uh, file this request. So I filed this request with the Secret Service and asked, because I hadn't seen this story. I hadn't, you know, seen previously that that uh, that that he was investigated by Secret Service mm-hmm. uh, or, or interviewed by Secret Service. So I filed a FOIA request with the Secret Service asking for, you know, all the records that they had on him. And usually the, the, the part of the Secret Service that conducts these interviews is the Protective Intelligence Division. Well, they came back and responded that they didn't have any records. And I said, huh, that's a surprise. Um, So I posted, you know, their response on Twitter. Page six of the New York Post picked it up. (laughs) Of all places, page six, for those who don't know, is the gossip place. And it's the New York Post, which is Murdoch. So, okay. Exactly. So um, I, uh, I, I was, you know, uh, Thought that was fascinating. (laughs) They picked it up. They had a headline that basically said, did Morrissey lie about, you know, being interviewed by the Secret Service? And they included my, you know, my, the response to my FOIA request. And uh, why weren't there any records? You know, was, was, was he being forthcoming? So uh, they ran that story. And I guess that, um, really upset. Again, this is my opinion. I don't know this to be a fact, but I'm assuming that maybe it it upset Morrissey and his, and his camp Uh that, uh, you know, here he was, he says he was interviewed by secret service. So they then reached out to me and essentially wanted me to know, like, listen, this interview really did happen. And so they, they shared with me um, all the internal communications with you know, or the the one email, the internal communications with Secret Service, the agent who reached out to them back in 2017, saying they wanted to interview him, um, and this how this whole thing went down, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of funny because they were far more transparent <laughs> than the government, which by law is supposed to be. So here, you know, is an actual you know, email from the secret service, which is what they shared with me as well as their correspondence back, you know, with the agent. So, you know, to be fair, I, I posted that follow-up uh, on Twitter. Um, and uh, then I appealed my request to the secret service and said, Hey, <laughs> uh, I know that this interview took place. I have a date. I know who the agent was. Secret Service agent who reached out, you got to go back and search. So um, I'm kind of waiting for that response. But I think it's just fascinating that, you know, one, that now this is the at least the fourth or fifth major celebrity entertainer 
who was hauled in to be interviewed by Secret Service during the Trump years. Um, and, and, you know, Kathy Griffin obviously was one because she had the, you know, the um, effigy of Donald Trump, which, you know, resulted in a Justice Department investigation and Secret Service. And as I mentioned, Eminem, John Mulaney, mm-hmm. apparently Morrissey and and. uh um, it's very interesting. I found this to be very interesting. Fascinating. Now you got a friend in the Morrissey camp. <laughs> I now I got a friend in the Morrissey camp. Yeah. Um, people have very strong opinions about Morrissey, Nicole. Oh, I know I'm they do. A, I'm still a big Smiths fan. You know, I try to like not pay too much attention so it doesn't taint my, yeah. you know, my interest in the songs. It's hard these days, you know, when Van Morrison oh, God. And, I, I, and, and Eric Clapton, uh, Eric Clapton, it was like, guys, you know, stop it. Stop it's it. Hard to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. See, I was never a big Smiths fan and I was never really a Morrissey fan. That just wasn't yeah. in my wheelhouse. They were they were sort of there on the outskirts, but I, I didn't play a lot of their music on the radio. That was a little yeah. too alternative uh, outside of my. That was still college radio, thing. right? I mean, college radio was still kind of the, the, the stations that played that. Oh, yeah. And, and K-Rock. And, you know, what, yeah. what I did right. more K-Rock. adult alternative was, was my yeah. world. So there, there's so many different. And now, of course, none of it gets played except on a handful of stations. But um, right. I, I, I give Morrissey his due. And you know what? And I think it's so, you know, I'm blown away that's that an entertainer can say something incendiary and that the Secret Service follows up on it. But um, well, that's what's what I'm so like, you know, even for your listeners, like to understand that this is for me as as a reporter. It's so fascinating whenever I see records about, you know, the government being involved or, or, or launching some kind of probe or interview or investigation um, you know, at that, at, on that scale, uh, because you don't really, you know, I, I try to keep tabs on what that agency is doing, particularly since, you know, members of Congress and elected, other elected officials do get a lot of death threats. Um, but it doesn't match the sort of volume of, you know, the volume of interviews taking place. It's it's not as if they're interviewing every single person. So what was it about this comment that he made in an interview in 2017 that, um, you know, I, I believe it was 2017, that led to the Secret Service to say, hey, we have to arrange an interview. Is it the word, is it the fact that he used the word kill? Right. Oh, um, did they think he was going to act on it? I mean, it's not um, like he has a history. Uh, look, he's said a lot of stupid things, but it's not like he had a history of, of shooting anybody or killing people. It's right. not like he's known to be a violent person. He's a singer, right. for God's sake. Right. And we do see oh an unheralded level of threats against elected officials right now. And you would think the Secret Service would have more legitimate right things to follow up on and then i read about joe biden was so uncomfortable with even his secret service detail when he first came in not knowing who was loyal to trump and who wasn't right that's frightening and then they're wasting time on interviewing morrissey because he says something about trump really right well that's kind of what i'm getting at i mean part of it is certainly like just the you know genuine um curiosity that i have about what was being 
asked, what was, you know, what was discussed. I mean, truly that M&M, those M&M secret service documents that I got um, were, were, were not just fascinating, but it was, they were, they were just amazing records in terms of showing how, you know, the secret service, the extent to which they, you know, viewed what would be someone's art, right? right. This, this was song lyrics. You know, these were rap lyrics um, that they felt, you know, were not just incendiary, like, eh, we have to check it out. This was a full on like investigation, wow. you know, and, and they interviewed him and, uh, you know, it got to the point where they were reading his rap, his, his rap lyrics to him. And at, during this interview, Eminem started rapping along <laughs> to his own song to the agents. And that, that detail was just like, wow. So wow. it kind of got me into this space where anytime I see that, like I said, I saw this in a story just a couple of weeks ago in the Daily Beast with Morrissey. I was like, I, I didn't know that. I've got to file this request. Um, but I think that, you know, there was a, you know, there was that time back, certainly in the 60s and 70s where FBI was, you know, whether it was infiltrating various you know, movements, but they're also keeping, you know, tabs on, you know, writers, artists. I mean, I just, you know, David Crosby just passed away. Yes, so he did. I wanted to see if the FBI has, uh, if they had a file on him, just, you know, so I, I filed a request for that. Um, now, now, how long will it be before you hear anything back on that? That could probably be a while. I mean, you know, it's not one that I'll probably sue over, um, but yeah, I'd say probably like six months. Okay, so but that that's even not too bad um, because you've had some like you recently got something in response to something you filed like 10 years ago. Right. This happens regularly with you, doesn't it? Ten years ago was one of the you know longest uh, one of the agency's longest, um, you know, open FOIA requests that they had. And that was something that very recent. And it truly was 10 years ago. And what was that um, one about? That one related to, um, I, I honestly will be honest, tell you the truth. I don't even remember which one that, that was. Memo, but it was a directive that Jay Johnson had, uh, if you remember him. Oh, sure. The uh, lawyer at the Pentagon um, that he had sent this, this directive that he sent around. And, and I was just trying to get uh, a copy of it. Uh, and it just lingered, you know, there for, uh, for about a decade. And then they finally responded. But Nicole, they responded after 10 years by withholding every record. Wow. You know, wow. this is an example of how the FOIA has, it's, it's just you know, how, how broken it has become. And we've talked for years about various you know, stories and FOIA requests and FOIA documents that I've got, uh, that I've gotten, that I've obtained. It's just, it, it's, it's increasingly, uh, you know, disintegrating. Real, so, so it's not only like the Morrissey thing that they're saying, well, we don't have anything on it. You're finding, do you think they're, they're bullshitting you on purpose? Do you think they're keeping stuff that they should by law be turning over? Oh, I definitely think that. I also think that the secrecy, the level of secrecy is uh, is increasing. Wow. It's increasing in government. And so there's the, you know, um, 
there there is a concern within federal government agencies and you know perhaps you or even your listeners can be sympathetic to people in government who fear that records can be weaponized right the release of records through the freedom of information act particularly you know if it's asked by you know groups with an ideological bent that they can weaponize those records right uh, and so there's a real fear about that and so but but the law doesn't sort of say well you can withhold records because you have a fear that they're going to be weaponized but that's increasingly they're coming up with more uh or trying to come up with more of a justification to withhold but in doing so they're violating the law you know there are and this is not FOIA but there are laws on when you know, documents and information will be released. And right. for instance, the 9-11 Commission should, wasn't all that supposed to have already been made public and m- many parts of it were held back, still held back? I don't know if you know, this is not your area and I'm throwing this at you out of left field. But uh, I remember interviewing um, Richard Benvenista 10 yeah. years ago. And he to- he said on this certain date, we will get all these documents. Well, that date came and went and still no documents. There's a lot on, you know, if you're looking back at 9-11, oh, yeah, there's tons that you know, have not been released. But largely that's because the government still believes that there's a national security issue at stake, uh-huh. right, mm-hmm. where, you know, um, it will threaten or expose sources and methods. Uh, it needs to be kept secret for, you know, to protect the national security of the United States or foreign allies. Um, so there's a there's a number of rationales that, that you know that they'll come up with for right. you know well, for that. But at the same time, there's also lots that is simply being kept secret to, um, you know. Because the government's you know, does, trying to protect itself from or doesn't want to be embarrassed. Right. Yeah. Well, like David just stuck his head and, and said, we're still waiting on shit from JFK. True. We right. get tons of documents that should have been released by yeah. now um, that we still don't uh, have access to. And now they're just starting to roll out all this UFO stuff that was kept quiet for so many years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's. It's a it's amazing what kinds of records still exist, but also just the historical records that are there that, you know, the the U.S. government still feels needs to be kept secret on the JFK records. Um, the agency that uh, pressed the Biden administration to not release certain records was CIA. Uh-huh. Um, and it was, you know, because there were CIA what they call equities in some of these records, which they felt would release sources and methods. And, um, you know, that was something very recent. They just release a, a, you know, a cache of records. Um, there's still a lot more, you know, laws were passed to, you know, release these JFK records, mm-hmm. um, but they continuously go through a review, you know, to determine whether there's any, um, any threat or harm to national security. So, um, so it was like, to me, what was great is just, you know, and maybe perhaps one of the good things about Twitter is like, you, I post this 
you know, this letter that I get from, you know, about Morrissey. Next thing I know, page six, you know, picks it up. And then Morrissey's, you know, reps are reaching out. And sometimes that's what it takes. You go to the principals, the people who are involved, because the government is obviously stonewalling you for some reason. So so you are trying to get to the bottom of why they told you that, that, that no records existed when obviously they did. So yeah. that's still that, that's still outstanding. Yes. I mean, I just recently appealed that. And and the other thing is, is that they responded very, very quickly when they said they had no record. So it was <laughs> only within a week of, you know, uh, of filing the request. So um, I think this is, you know, all uh, important in a sense. You know, I think it should be out there, but it's also it gives me the ability to kind of. Uh, you know, and I want to sidetrack into, you know, my love of music and how can I mix music and FOIA? Right, there you, there go. you go. There you go. You know? uh, yeah. And uh, just speaking, there's still got to be a bunch of stuff on John Lennon that we've never seen, wouldn't oh, you yeah. think? Yes. <laughs> yes. And a lot of the 60s protest musicians, I would guess, there there's probably a book there. There's actually, you know, there was a book that was just written, as a matter of fact, um, recently published um, and largely built around some FBI records about, you know, protest movement um, singers, artists right. that uh, uh, that were caught up in the FBI's dragnet uh, or, or just appeared in FBI files. And it's 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 a really great book, uh- um, one that I'm jealous I didn't write. Well, you so I bring this up because it, it is the book you could write because yeah. there's so much more. I don't know what book this is. I'll have to look into it or if you remember who it is and what it is. I'll send you the name. Okay. Or the title, excuse me. Yeah. Cool. But, you know, this might look, we're all we're all looking for the next thing to do. This could be perfect for you. Um, I know. How, how the government has targeted protest singers and artists throughout. Yeah. Uh, history, especially the '60s. Yes, I'll work on that. Even with like, you. <laughs> even, honestly, even the, you know, um, the uh, uh, sort of rise of uh, of uh, of West Coast rap, mm-hmm. you know, those. I mean, that was. I did get some files on you know NWA and 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 some of those groups who were also targets of the I'll FBI. Bet. Well, you know, um, uh, fuck the police. I'm guessing. It raised a lot of eyebrows at the FBI and they, you know. Yes. So, well, uh, I'm looking forward to that book, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. Give me a nudge. I, gotta, I, I, I will give you a one nudge. One thing I got I to gotta work on. Okay. Well, th- uh, there's just a germ of an idea, but I, yeah, I'd love I like to it. read that book from you. Jason Leopold, they call him the foyer terrorist. I call him the foyer master because you're a master, not a terrorist. Thank you, Nicole. And my FOIA master, my buddy, Jason Leopold, it's great to see you. Um, Great to see you. I I wish you'd come down and visit here. You know, we're moving to Arizona. Did you know that? I know. I'm thinking like one of these days we got to meet up halfway and go to a concert. Well, once I'm in Arizona, it'll be easy because it's not like L.A. to South Florida. Right. We'll definitely do that. We We definitely have to go to a show. Oh, without a doubt. Well, we're yeah. going to see Dave Mason Wednesday night. I interviewed him the other day, and he left us a pair of tickets. So, um, very so nice. Awesome. Yes. So uh, we're going to do that. Um, yeah, but I, I don't go to a whole lot of shows these days. Still, COVID 
weary. Yeah. Um, but but we will do that once we're out in Arizona. Yeah. I'm going to see you. I mean, summertime, outdoor shows, Greek theater. Yeah, LA. baby. Oh, I love yeah. the Greek theater. So that, great. One of my favorite places for a show anywhere. All right, all right Jason, I'm going to let you go. I know you're in New York. Can you all tell right. us what you're there working on or no? I can't, but you will read about it in a few weeks. Okay. Well, well, we will, and maybe you'll come yeah. back on to tell us about I'll it. I'll give you a heads up. Awesome. Jason Leopold. Find him still on the Twitters, at Jason Leopold, at Bloomberg.com, if you can get through the paywall. Uh, thank you, Jason. <laughs> yes. Love you. Thanks, Nicole. Great to see you. Bye. Love you as well. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Jason Leopold. So certainly one of my favorite, favorite people, um, professionally and not. He's he's the best. All right. With that, we're done. Um, Don't forget, I will post that entire article from The New Yorker on the blog today, written by X Gonzalez, who we met when they were known as Emma Gonzalez after the Parkland shooting. And again, the reason why I shared that article with you today is twofold. It's because of what the governor of Florida is doing and how he's trying to turn this college that was X's, you know, safe place after a truly horrific senior year and all the trauma and drama that followed it. And it allowed X to grow and become the person that they are now. Um, and because about the mass shooting, because they don't stop. And here's another one with lives that are going to be affected as X's life was affected. So read the rest of that article, please. Again, I'll post it there so you can read it. Uh, again, it'll be at NicoleSandler.com slash 1-23-23. I'm going to take a moment and tell you I already drank today's smoothie. And let me tell you what today's smoothie was. It was a coffee drink. If you're like me, you love smoothies. I I love like the Frappuccino, but one, I don't want to spend the money on one. And two, I don't want all the added sugar and crap that they put in it. But with my Blendjet 2, oh, shoot, (laughs) I just turned it on. I didn't mean to. It's empty. Um, I I put in water, a little bit of milk, a little bit of sweetener, a bunch of ice, and I had my own Iced coffee drink. And again, I'm in Florida. It's uh, right now 74 degrees and it's already dark out. So I like my icy drinks. And the Blendjet 2 is just amazing. Right now, you can get your own Blendjet 2 in a lovely design. They have all kinds of designs you can choose from. It's portable. You can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, even a margarita at the beach. It fits in the cup holder in the car. Um, and it, it's great. I, I, I love this thing. And I heard from one of my listeners who bought one. She said, my Blendjet 2 just got here and it made the best smoothie I've ever had. I love this. So I don't know what you're waiting for. Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. Be sure to use the promo code sent by Nicole 12. You'll get 12% off and free two-day shipping. So and can it core an apple? I don't think it can core a apple, but you can put the apple chunks in here and and it will um it will uh grind it up and make it in your smoothie. I've also, I've been drinking this magnesium drink at night. And again, I'm blending it with ice in my Blendjet too. And it makes the magnesium go down. So Blendjet.com sent by Nicole 12 in the promo code. Okay. 
Got it? Good. Enjoy. And I will see you uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, oh, just so you know, uh, Ron Klain, the White House Chief of Staff, is leaving. His replacement is a guy named Jeff Zients. Zients rhymes with science. And that, from what I've read, is might be the only good thing about him. So Jeff Hauser from the Revolving Door Project, who's been here before to tell us about some of the people that Biden has um, named to his cabinet, he'll be here tomorrow to tell us a little bit about this science guy. Um, we're just going to have to be diligent as we are going forward. All right. With that, I'm done. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great night. Bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. In the last What's News episode, I recounted a number of notable events and anniversaries observed this weekend, though I mistakenly omitted the Lunar New Year and the transition from the year of the tiger to the year of the rabbit. That's a sign that symbolizes peace and prosperity. More than a billion people around the world joined in festivities, including in Southern California's Monterey Park, a city home to a majority Asian-American community. That's where 10 people were killed and another 10 injured in a dance studio in Monterey Park during a Lunar New Year celebration. It was the 33rd mass shooting so far in a year that's only 23 days old. This time, it was a 72-year-old Asian man who's been confirmed as the alleged shooter. The murderer had reportedly been a regular presence at this studio at one time. The one and only time I'll say his name, Hu Khan Tran. Investigators do not yet know a motive. The same gunman walked into a second ballroom dance hall located in neighboring Alhambra, California, with the intent to kill even more people just about 20 to 30 minutes later. But two people on the scene were able to disarm him, and then he got away. After a long manhunt and then a two-hour standoff in the South Bay city of Torrance, some 30 miles from the shooting, the suspect was found dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound inside his vehicle. President Biden offered his condolences to the victims on Sunday and ordered flags to fly at half-staff at the White House and other federal buildings. On Saturday, we learned that White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain would be stepping down from his position as President Biden's right-hand man ever since he took office just about two years ago to the day, making him the longest-serving chief of staff of a Democratic president. On Sunday, the name of Jeff Zients emerged as the most likely candidate to take over that role. Zients ran President Biden's COVID-19 response effort and served in high-ranking roles in the Obama administration. Klain is expected to step down soon after Biden's State of the Union address, scheduled for February 7th. Thousands of people participated in women's marches demanding abortion rights around the country on Sunday, the day that marked the 50th anniversary of the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision that the current extreme court overturned last year. Organizers concentrated their efforts on the more than a dozen states that have increased abortion restrictions or banned abortions outright since that ruling. The main march this year was held in Wisconsin, where an upcoming state Supreme Court election could determine the balance of power on the court and the future of abortion rights in that state. But there were rallies in dozens of cities, including Florida's state capital of Tallahassee, where Vice President Kamala Harris 
gave an impassioned speech. In it, she announced that President Biden will sign a presidential memorandum to further protect access to abortion medication for women across the country. Well, it's now official. Democratic Congressman Ruben Gallego has announced he will run for the Arizona Senate seat currently held by Kirsten Sinema. Gallego is a member of the House Progressive Caucus. He cited Sinema's record as an impetus for his run after she switched from Democrat to Independent late last year. Cinema hasn't announced whether or not she'll seek re-election in 2024, but we know it will be a highly competitive contest. Today's Florida update shows that Governor DeSantis is a loser again. A federal judge on Friday ruled that the Florida governor violated the Constitution when he suspended former Hillsborough County State Attorney Andrew Warren. But the judge said he didn't have the authority to reinstate the twice-elected Democrat. In a nearly 60-page ruling, U.S. District Judge Robert Hinkle overwhelmingly sided with Warren, who was fired by DeSantis in August after he pledged not to prosecute women for violating Florida's recently enacted bans on abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. This one's not over. Stay tuned. And then we go up to New York, where... Congressman George Santos appears to have confirmed that it was him dressed in drag in Brazil. He finally had to fess up after a Brazilian drag performer claimed that he had performed in Brazil as a drag queen named Katara. Santos saying, quote, I was young and I had fun at a festival. Sue me for having a life. (laughs) All righty then. Meanwhile, Huffington Post has compiled a long list of things Santos has lied about, well, that we know about so far. They include his name. George Santos has also gone by Anthony Santos, George DeVolder, Anthony Zabrowski, and George Anthony Santos DeVolder, among others. His heritage. After identifying himself as a proud American Jew in campaign materials, he then told the New York Post that he never claimed to be Jewish, said he was Jew-ish, that he's a descendant of Holocaust survivors from Ukraine, that his mother was in the Twin Towers on 9-11, that his mother was the first female executive at a major financial institution. He lied about how he paid for his campaign and an alleged $750,000 salary from a company called the DeVolder Organization, that he worked in finance for his family's business, that his family had a fortune in real estate, that four of his employees died in the Pulse nightclub shooting, that he went to an elite New York City prep school, that he graduated from college, that he was a college volleyball star, that he worked for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, that he ran an animal charity, and that he didn't swindle a homeless veteran with a sick dog. And he lied when he said he never performed in Brazil as a drag queen called Katara. And that's what we know so far. Well, today's the day the IRS begins accepting 2022 federal income tax returns. But don't stress, you have until April 18th to file. And finally, better late than never, Buzz Aldrin, the second man to ever walk on the moon back in 1969, married his sweetheart, Anka Fauer, in Los Angeles. As Aldrin tweeted photos of them from the private ceremony, he said that the two of them were, quote, as excited as eloping teenagers. Aldrin wed his 63-year-old bride on his 93rd birthday. Way to go, Buzz. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on a donate button. 